Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is American gun violence epidemic. I'm Kathy Marino Thomas. Hi, Kathy. And Hi, Mary I'm, Ellen. <laughs> I'm Mary Ellen Novak. During this week's show, we're going to talk about coronavirus, gun sales, and online activism. And all of that may sound disparate, but they're really interconnected, and we're going to show you how. But first, we have the latest gun violence prevention news. COVID-19 outbreak causes gun sales to soar. The Washington Post reported a spike in gun sales over the last month. According to the article, the National Instant Criminal Background Check System has responded to inquiries on 2.8 million prospective gun buyers. That's the third highest monthly total since the system was created in 1998 and up from 2 million in February last year. With people nearly wiping out firearm and ammo inventories at some stores since President Trump's March 13th declaration of national coronavirus emergency, this month's gun buyer total could be even larger. It is crazy. That is crazy. You know, we've all been worried about COVID-19's virus outbreak and what it's done to all of our lives. Gays Against Guns will bring you interviews with our elected officials each week to check in and see how things are going in various districts. First one up this week, we hear from State Senator Brad Hoylman. Hi, Senator Hoylman. How are you today? Um, well, how are you doing, Kathy? I'm doing fine, thank you. Trying to live through these crazy times. Uh, can you please tell our listeners what district you represent? Yes, I represent uh, part of the heart of this epidemic, which is central Manhattan. Uh, my district goes from 72nd on the west side all the way down to Canal Street. So I like to think I have some of the gayest parts of Manhattan, Chelsea Hills <laughs> Kitchen, the, the, the village, the East Village. And on the east side, I go from 56 down to 3rd Street. So a lot of mass transit, a lot of cultural institutions, including all of Times Square. And just, you know, thinking about all of our sisters and brothers who, you know, in the theater district who are not working, as well as dealing with a lot of concern involving uh, the impact on our businesses and daily lives. You have some fun neighborhoods. I hope that everyone survives this epidemic and gets prosperous real quick. You know, I'm hopeful. The amount of, you know, outreach to my office alone, we've had over 200 volunteers go to my homepage uh, on my New York Senate uh, website to sign up to help elderly people get groceries, uh, to, to sign up if they're a retired medical professional through Governor Cuomo to serve as, you know, on standby for the deluge of, of medical cases we're expecting uh, you know, day by day, has been really heartening. So, you know, you learn a lot through a crisis, whether it was 9-11 or Sandy. Uh, our communities have come together. This is probably the biggest challenge we've had, you know, in a couple of generations. We talk about the greatest generation during World War II. You know, we're looking at the next greatest generation, yeah. people who are living today. I think we are. You're, you guys are doing some online town halls and stuff, too, to get some information out. Yes, and that's been extremely interesting. We've been uh, holding virtual town halls on Sunday nights at 8 p.m. We'll have another one this Sunday at 8 with infectious disease experts from uh, Rockefeller uh, Institute and Columbia University who've been talking about really basic things like, is it okay to go to the grocery store if I'm over 60 and pick up, you know, 
my supplies? Or should I get somebody to go for me? And here's the answer. You should probably get somebody to go for you uh, if you're over 60 because grocery stores are crowded. And the truth is this virus lives on cardboard. It lives on plastic. It lives on, you know, cans and bottles. And that is the reality. We don't want to be, you know, panicked because of this epidemic. But you can take precautions which is wiping off your household goods with, you know, a Clorox wipe uh, before you put it uh, into your shelf, making sure you wash your hands regularly, calling your neighbor or reaching out to your elected official like me if you need help in order to take precautions and stop the spread. Stay home. Make sure that you don't go out. Uh, even going out and taking a run along Hudson River Park is, is it has been advised against. If there are a lot of people out, the truth is the virus can be spread even, you know, within six feet of someone else. So stay home, work from home, look for your neighbors or call your elected officials if you need help. All good advice, Brad. Thank you so much. I hope we can reach out to you again for some updates as we move along with this. You know, I'm just so grateful, Kathy, for all the work you and, and Gag have done on guns. We hope to have some of the innovative efforts that you've been advocating for in the budget as we move forward, whether it's ghost guns or making sure that we're able to take guns away from people who might be abusive to their spouses. That's important work, and you've helped advance it. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we know that you hold some of those very important bills in our state Senate. So we thank you for your service, Brad. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks again. Okay. All the best. Be well. Bye. Each week at this time, we remember and honor a person whose life was taken as a result of gun violence. Today, we're honoring Matthew Hicks Morris, who's 22 years old. He recently moved to Springfield, Missouri to be near his sister. The sequence of events is grim but familiar in cities across the state. A mass shooting takes place. A public vigil is held. A community comes together with an outpouring of anger, sadness, and solidarity. But for families of those killed in last week's mass shooting in Springfield, Missouri, in which an attacker fatally shot four people, what was an already tragic situation has been compounded by the coronavirus. The families will mostly be grieving in solitude. Kiara Hicks Morris, whose brother Matthew was killed in the attack, is still in shock. She told a friend on Friday she was going into isolation and just wanted to scream. Mr. Hick Morris, 22, was killed Sunday night during a late night run to a gas station. According to a niece farmer, a close friend, he whispered over the phone to his girlfriend that a shooter had entered the shop. His girlfriend heard the gunshots and the phone line cut. He and four others were killed, including an officer, Christopher Walsh, and the attacker, Joaquin Roman. The police declined to comment on possible motives saying the investigation was still underway. Because of concerns about the spread of coronavirus, Mr. Hicks Morris's relatives couldn't travel to Missouri from Florida to be with his sisters. There was no public gathering for their brother. Even the funeral may have to be delayed for months because of new restrictions on public gatherings. That is really sad. They can't, they can't even honor his life right now. It's a terrible it's thing. Horrible. Um, This whole show is going to be about the March for Our Lives two-year anniversary, which is today, actually. But like the skilled activists that we all are, we had to pivot (laughs) just a little 
and address this global crisis. So I spoke with Delaney Tarr from March for Our Lives, and during the first part of this interview, we discussed topics such as bottom-up organizing and being able to make quick changes and planning on the fly. So March 24th is the two-year, crazy, two-year anniversary of the March for Our Lives March on Washington that we had that was really like the first culmination of our activism after the shooting in Parkland, Florida. Yeah, I think that growth is truly the word that can describe where we're at, where we're at now versus where we were then, because this has been an incredibly long journey where we've had to learn so much about ourselves and about the political climate and about activism and gun violence and gun violence prevention. So we've had to grow as an individual. I mean, I'm two years older. <laughs> I feel like I'm an entirely different person than I was in that very first march that we ever had and on that fateful day where this all became such a huge part of our lives. But I know as an organization, we've grown too. There was this perception in the beginning that the public had of us that was we were going to be a one and done and that after that march, we were going to go away. And we didn't. We, we decided that we were going to keep the momentum that we got on that day and turn it into something tangible, turn it into real lasting change. And I think that the results that we've had, the successes that we've had, are a very strong testament to that will and that persistence that we've had since day one, since March 24th, and since every day beyond that. Something incredibly important is the value of bottom-up organizing uh, and the fact that if you truly want to end a public health crisis or an epidemic or just create tangible, lasting change, you have to bring everyone with you. And that was something that we had noticed. There was a lot of voices missing in, in the prominent gun violence prevention movements and in the discourse around gun violence in America. I mean, mass shootings that predominantly affected white wealthy communities were the only thing that people were really talking about in, in the news, in the media, on this broad scale. But there was gun violence in so many other communities every day. And these were people who had been fighting this fight a lot longer than us. So we knew and we learned and we continue to learn that we cannot do this alone and it would be wrong of us to do this alone because if we're not taking those voices, those stories, and learning the correct policies and changes to make to benefit every single community, then we're not doing it right. And that's not just about uh, platitudes and putting somebody on camera. It's about having their seats at the table. It's about making sure that we have a diverse and inclusive board of members, a group of activists, uh, chapters, our messaging, our policies, everything has to be as, as fitting as possible to help as many people as possible. And that has really been a big thing for us, is learning diversity and inclusivity and intersectionality through bottom-up organizing. Um, that's a long answer. For number two, though, I think adaptability has been a big thing for us, and it's certainly present right now, because we've had to make these very quick changes throughout the course of the March for Our Lives where we've had to plan on the fly, where we've had to, to regroup and, and, and readjust based on some new development. I mean, the, the, the thing with activism is that it's a constantly changing field and politics are constantly changing. So we had to be prepared for whatever might happen next, and we really had to be prepared to not be prepared. So it's been this skill that we've been developing over time, and I think that it's, it's helped us balance it 
balance a strong strategy over a long-term period with being able to, to adjust and adapt on the fly, especially in situations that really do hinder and limit our capabilities. Uh, so it's, it's certainly something we're seeing a lot now, but we've learned over the course of two years as well. Yeah, I think that there's like this, this very overwhelming aspect to activism. And a lot of people will be like, I want to start, but I just don't know where to begin because there's so much. And I think that that is a big hindrance for activism is that people think they have to do everything at once. But the truth is that there's so many different avenues to pursue activism. And it doesn't just look like getting up on a stage and speaking because, like you said, so much of it is outreach and organizing. And being able to create coalitions and connections is the most valuable thing that you can do as an activist and as an individual. And that might look like reaching out to people on social media. That might look like having a conversation with somebody who's close to you and maybe learning their perspective but helping shift it a little bit. So it's hard to say that there's one simple avenue for people to take because that's not really fair to anyone. Because I know where my skills are, and I'm sure every other individual knows what their skills may be. And if that's creating a piece of protest art or leading a digital revolution, that is an entirely valid avenue. So I don't want to discount anybody's message of activism. I just think that the best thing to do is to, to take your skills and put them in the right places. Join an organization or start your own. There's, there's so many options out there. It's just, I think it's, it's knowing where and how to begin. You're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show, here on listener-sponsored commercial-free radio WBAI. We're here every Tuesday evening at 6.30, bringing you the latest from the gun violence prevention movement. Tonight's show is about coronavirus, gun sales, and online activism. We're recording from our homes, safely social distancing. Safely. You couldn't be more safely distanced than us right now. <laughs> so, no, I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if we wanted to, just talking about uh, Delaney's comments and then all of how everything just intertwines and the common themes that are bubbling up. Yep. Intersectionality bubbles up regularly. Uh, to move society forward, we're getting, you know, every, every one of these movements has to have inclusivity. You know, it's very obvious what's needed to, you know, to give everyone their rights and privileges and obligations in life. It's very obvious. We say live and let live, right? Yep. Yep. Always. Because you know what? Love always wins. (laughs) Always. It always wins. (laughs) We have more from Delaney, though, don't we? Yes, we do. We absolutely do. So during the second part of our conversation, Delaney spoke about the future of March for Our Lives, their new campaign, which is called Our Power and how they had to pivot to organize in the digital sphere considering COVID-19. There was certainly this, uh, <clears throat> this kind of jarring realization as, as things got a little bit more dire and as we had to start taking preventative action and isolating in our homes that we can't gather in person. And a lot of the perception of activism and a lot of activism is based on direct action. So it was this this moment where you're like, wait a minute, that is a tenant of our activism that we can't necessarily practice right now. But I think that we also realized hand in hand with that, that we are perfectly built for functioning in the digital sphere because that's what gave the march its its power in the beginning. Truly, so much of our organizing ability came from our digital presence and our social media presence. I mean, 
the one of the biggest catalysts was people getting hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter and using their platforms for good. So I'm unwilling to to um, to say what I think I've seen some other people saying and that activism can't really happen right now because it's simply not true. It's just about changing the fight to digital advocacy, be it for a couple weeks, a couple months, or maybe longer. We know that we can adapt and change, and that really is where adaptability comes in. I mean, we have plans. Uh, one of our biggest things is that we're launching a new campaign, and in that campaign, Our Power, we realized that we had to make some adjustments because of the situations that we were in now, but that that didn't take away from our power in any way, shape, or form. It just made it function in a different way. The campaign is named Our Power, which is quite simply a testament to our power. I mean, we went pretty obvious with the name, but I think that it fits. And I think that it's an incredible reminder in this climate right now that no matter how afloat and adrift we may feel, we have power, and this is how we're going to show it, and this is how we're going to do it. So our intention is to drive youth engagement and activism to create a cultural change around not just gun violence prevention, but all social, economic, environmental, and every other justice issue. So to create positive change through young people's power in every different facet of America and the globe. What we really need to look at is that no matter what things might seem like right now, there's so much more that we can do and so much more that we have to do. And with things like Our Power, with coalitions built across organizations and different causes, we can create that change and we can create a brighter future for every one of us all. The biggest way that you can support our show is become a WBAI buddy. We are a unique show. You can call to pledge 516-620-3602. You can donate online, www.give2wbai.org. You can send a check to Pacifica WBAI, 388 Atlantic Avenue, Brooklyn, 11217. But get out there, open up your wallet, and support us because you know you are an activist and you are part of community radio. And you especially know that when you give to WBAI and become a BAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. So thank you all. To find out more about becoming a member of Gag, please go to gazeagainstguns.net or follow us at Gaze Against Guns New York on Facebook, Instagram, or Gag No Guns on Twitter. You're also welcome to join us at our meetings that, starting this Thursday, will take place on the World Wide Web. Did you say the World Wide Web? Yes. Can you believe it? I this, really can. <laughs> this Thursday, March 26th, at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, we will be on the line. And did you hear that? Now we have to announce the time zone because people all over the world can join us. Wow, international gag. Amazing. I am so excited. <laughs> so, me too. So, for more information about how to attend this week's inaugural gag online member meeting, check us out on social media. And as always, we'll be planning actions and demonstrations, albeit all online. So, please <laughs> join us. Everybody is welcome. Uh, so now it's time to finish the show with our hell yes when we celebrate some of our favorite sheroes and heroes of the week. And I've got a good one. Hell yeah to Delaney and Brad for taking the time to participate in our show this week. 
Hell, Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah to Sing Out Louise for hosting their very first online sing-along featuring their new hit, by Corona. <laughs> by Corona. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah to all the essential workers who are doing everything they can to keep us safe and alive. Thank you so much. And Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Back next Tuesday and every Tuesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on the WBAI website or on any major podcast platform. We leave you with our fabulous political singing Sing Out Louise. Enjoy. Bye, Mary Ellen. Bye, Kathy. Spitty one, every sneeze you spread in your spine. Corona, when you feel your fever run, your fever run. Cover up your cough every time. Corona, everybody stop. Twenty seconds, wash your dirty hands. Make the water hot, make it fun. Do a pretty dance. Bye bye bye, I I so. Bye Corona. Stand a little further off. When you come, maybe it is quarantine time. Corona ain't got no community immunity. There is no vaccine that's not like Corona. Everybody stop. Twenty seconds. Wash your dirty hands. Make the water hot. Make it fun. Do a pretty dance. Bye bye bye. I I so. Bye Corona. Bye Corona. There is a human right, not out of sight. We can fight a viral blight like Corona. Work together to be sure we'll find a cure. Trust in science and we can spike Corona. Everybody stop, 20 seconds. Wash your dirty hands, make the water hot. Make it fun, do a pretty dance. Bye, 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 I, I, so. Bye, 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 I, I, so. Bye, bye, bye.